Rob, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much for coming on board. My pleasure, mate. My pleasure. It's it's awesome. Obviously, I've known you for for a couple of years now, and you were the man that first got me into into strongman and kind of showed showed me my love for this incredible, extreme, ridiculous sport that we've fallen in love with. So it's a real honour to kind of to get to show the world kind of where it all started for me. But I'm interested to to talk about you and where where you really kind of first discovered your love and passion for for strength training because you're you know you are a, a foundational pillar i think in the british strength scene and uh, and i'm really excited to kind of get into what got you hooked oh wow um please um child you know watching world Strongest man prince Strongest man back when i was about eight years old the, um it was only on at christmas so Brent's Longest Man, and that was normally filmed uh, BBC One, and then you had um, World's Longest Man, which came on later. So um, yeah, only, only um, back then I'm saying back then, but it sounds terrible. But yeah, back in the day, it, it was just three channels, and Brent's Longest Man was on BBC One around Christmas time, and it, it just it captivated me. I, I, I loved it. Uh, I don't know, like a, a bit of a drug in a way, because I've seen all these lumps, and. Um, you know, athletes, and they're just picking stuff up, doing stuff that I've never really, really seen before. It was, it was a bit of a, uh, a bit of a freakish sort of thing because you only ever see, you know, the Olympic Games and common games, and you know, shot for discus and stuff, which I love and I still love now. And then you see a little bit of Olympic lifting now and again, a little bit of powerlifting, but to actually see these uh, um, Lafargans like doing the stones and all the other bits and pieces they first did, and you know, Jeff Capes. Was the first guy I actually saw on the television. Like Jeff and uh, um, uh, um, Big Kaz and John Paul Sigmundson. You know, these three were like, wow. You know, just they just amazed me. But unfortunately, you could only see it once a year, and it was it was you know that was the worst bit. So I um oh yeah I, I emulated them. You know, eight years old trying to I grew up on like um, an equestrian farm. So you know I was um you know loading bales of hay and you know, uh, water uh, water buckets in and out of the horses. We had like 20 horses. So I was doing that from from probably a little bit earlier than eight, I'd say. I said we were, I was getting horses and collecting horses from the from the fields around about six, maybe seven years old. So, so you created that foundation really like, without even realising it. Like just doing all of that labouring stuff, you created probably one of the greatest foundations you can for that kind of, that, that that thing that you need in strongman because it's so multifaceted and you were doing that every day. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's the odd carries, you know, from the buckets of water to boiling hay to um, having my um, having my granddad in the in the um, in the garden doing like uh, uh, rockeries and you know collecting uh, wood and logs for the fire and you know all odd carries, very you know uneven, uncentered, having to use your you know literally brute strength. There's no real technique in it and that sort of became to perfection but strong makers as you know you know there's a, there is huge amounts of technique in strong men but the fundamentals are just core strength just having that strength and also the passion just to push your body just just crazy push your body yeah and i think that's the thing that you kind of it speaks so true true with yourself kind of pushing yourself kind of above and beyond what you you think you can and i think you know you're a massive massive proprietor of that just saying you know, your body is capable of so much more than you think it is. Just keep on fucking pushing and you'll be amazed at what you can do. So I'm interested to, to hop off on that. Were there any times where you really feel like you kind of you outdid and surprised yourself on the strongman field? Like any of those times where you, you really had to dig so disgustingly deep within yourself to, to pull out kind of that max attempt, get get that one extra point on the board to, to clinch the first place? What was that like for you? Um, there's been a few. Um, I think when I was first starting was uh, was thinking of numbers and um, in, in the gym for a while and then trying to hit those numbers. So um, for me, uh, coming into Strongman was very um, having to correct my sets and my rep, lowering my, my uh, positions, up in my intensity with my sets. And then governing myself to these certain bits. So um, I, I hit um, uh, probably 
my first goals were around about the 100 mark. So I hit a 100 kilo bench when I was a. Uh, hold on now. So I used to train my old brother. We had um, a setup in the in the garage at home. When I, uh, so Richard was about 13. And I was benching by. I was 12. I was benching about 100 kilos. So that was, a, that was like a. So I was already benching the same as my brother, maybe a bit more. And then, <laughs> and then um, we got on to squatting. So I was you know, squatting 200 kilos by sort of 16. Uh, deadlifts, we didn't have much. We had a kind of a weird setup for deadlift, but I was still moving weight. And um, uh, I remember um, a winter years ago, I was in second year junior. So how old was that? Like nine? Yeah, so like that. And I, I was the biggest guy in, in class. So I had to go out at a class to help change my wheel because I was, I was the only one big enough and strong enough to undo the, the, the nuts on the, on the wheel when I was maybe nine. So it was <laughs> it's just one of the things you get called upon to do some weird things. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so training was just odd because it, it carries over not just to the gym but outside as well. They're the crazy. Yeah, I love yeah, it. So, so picking up the logs that we went. Go, oh, yeah, like ha having your your brother there training with you, like just being that little bit older. Like I'm sure that also really kind of pushed you to be like, oh, like I know he's a few years older, but I'm not gonna let him fucking beat me. Like I want to make sure that I'm I'm pushing the same numbers as him. I want to be up his ass the whole time. Yeah. Every session, every session. My cousin used to come. He used to live next door to our cousin, so he uh, Nick. He was a big lad. Was a brick. Uh, 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 Brickland, he was about six five, and he was getting on for about nineteen stone. He was strong to pull, so he was like my next target. So I was, I was already in and around my brother, so I had to move on to try and beat Nick. But uh, he was a strong. I, I, I did, him, yeah. I got him. <laughs> yeah, that's just just that that competitive nature of yours just coming through. So so true. I love it. I can't. It, it's win or nothing. I just can't because it's it's like it's, it's like in life, you know. You put everything. Life is all about, you know, it's um, a journey, and it? it's not really about about the end result. It's a journey, so you gotta you gotta put in what you give out, and that's life in, in general. Give it, put in a hundred percent. Therefore, you get hundred percent in life. So, for me, going through my life with that, you know, I just put it into uh, my training ethic and also my composition ethic. You, know, you go into a competition, and you, no matter who's there, like, you know, obviously with the fourteen years, fifteen years of me competing, I've, I've been up against, you know, the Elite, um, Eddie and uh, D and Thor and you know you name it, they've been in with me. So you just you just got to go for it. You know my my first year of um of World's Strongest Man, you know I got a phone call from from Colin and he was like he said oh well, who do you want to be put in with? And I was, instantly said like the Judas because you know if you're in with the best then you can only be the best. Can't you? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Having and having a pillar stone like Big Z, I mean you literally don't get better than that i mean if you can if you can even stand around with big z i think that kind of that really cements kind of your title in the strongman world because he is especially back then he was unbeatable he was a freak i just uh just unbelievable just just uh, his whole mindset not just uh, not just at competition but at the hotel and around he, I think I've said in a couple of other interviews, he would, there was no, um, there was no rush for Zunas. He would walk his own way, not so slow. He wouldn't waste any energy. So he, he would eat, and he could eat quite a lot, you know, a lot of strong men like yourself. We can eat like horses, so he would make sure that he got calories in. And he would just bimble, you know, he would, he'd be like, just like an old barge, just like floating down a canal, and he, he had no, no, just didn't care if, you know, he knew full well the coach was going to wait for him. No one's not going to leave Z at the, at the hotel. <laughs> and then the run-up competition, and then get to the competition. He would just sit and he would just do his own, put his heat cream on, do his stretches, put his neoprene on, and in his own nice, steady, beautiful clockwork way. Just so hadn't probably get gotten over sort of sixty-five beats a minute by now. Just chilled out. Just wouldn't even know he was there really. You know, loads of fluids. Loads of warm-ups, and then we'd have obviously get our pick our numbers for who was going out first. And then that was all good. Then he then he 
Then he would just start to click up to semi-serious. And if we had like log to start, he'd start to warm up. And, you know, he'd warm up with some, some he'd warm up with weights that half of the other guys couldn't even rep. You know, I remember doing one of the first um, world strong, world's strongest log competitions over in Lithuania. He, he warmed up to, he warmed up to 190 kilos. <laughs> and there's guys, there's guys there that barely, they were, you know, they were there, but they were there for the following day. So we did, so when, when Spruce is the world log record over in, in Lithuania, uh, uh, Vilnas is, is uh, where he comes from. Is is his town? He had. Um, you've seen the big aluminium, uh, big aluminium log. The ifs, the old ifs, the log. It's, it's like it's stainless steel. So as an empty log, it's 130 kilos empty. Jesus Christ! And it, it is enormous. It's a big. It's got the massive thick handles, which are knurled, really sharp knurling, and uh, it, it picks up really, really heavy. But once you get it to your chest, it, it really is one of the best logs I've used. But imagine that an empty log. Normally, what empty logs are what, seventy kilos, sixty kilos. This thing was one hundred and thirty kilos empty. It was made probably eight mil, nine mil stainless steel. It was phenomenal, and he picked it up like it was a banana out of his lunchbox. It was phenomenal. <laughs> and how, like, go, going into it, obviously, mm-hmm. like, if if you going up to that level and taking that step up, especially in that time, it's I'm sure it's it's very very overwhelming, especially for a young strong man being around all of these complete freaks. So did you find like going into it, you were very much kind of looking at everyone, trying to take on board kind of tips, like not rushing too much from Z, picking up these things from other people, just like a sponge. Or were you so focused on what you were trying to do that it didn't actually fucking matter what anyone else was doing. Like you were there to do your thing and your thing alone. I think in the first couple of years I was, um, I was kind of focused on what I was doing because back when I first started, we had to make our own kit. So I had to salvage and make my own pair of farmers. I had to, That's, that in and of itself is just fucking make, absurd. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So my first two pairs of, um, two pairs of farmers I had to make with a friend. We, and we made them out of, um, like cylinders and we had to fill them up with concrete because they weren't heavy enough. Then we got some gas cylinders and we then filled them up with, um, a load of old, uh, scrap. Then um, our first, my first log was a handmade railway sleeper. So it actually wasn't even a log. We just cut handles in it to, to kind of get the technique of a log. <laughs> so we, I'm going back to, you know, 2002, 2003, when, you know, we didn't have these, like, you know, rebel strength, Andy's rebel strength. You can pretty much order stuff now and it'd be, you'd have a brand new log on your doorstep within on Friday sort of thing, you know, strength shop and um, all these other companies now that literally, you can go onto your Amazon or another account, bang, two days later, you've got all this kit. I mean, it's, it's amazing. That's what's brought Strongman on so well, is um, the abundance of really, really, really good kit. But back when I started, you know, logs, uh, Pullums used to make a log, and it was a quite sh- uh, a small, uh, it wasn't if suspect, which is about 13, 12 inches. Pullums did like a nine-inch log. You had the, the ends, but you had to nominate what one you what, what you wanted. So I bought, I think we bought like, like um, an, an, uh, 70 or 80 kilo log, very small, had these very thin handles, just welded into the inserts. And you could only put like the, the plate on the ends, oh, but Jesus. it rolled horribly because it, it was a really crappy, um, log, but it's 300 quid. Oh my God. What? Yeah. So we, luckily we had a. We had a, like a club called the uh, Porsche Strongman Association, and we all chipped in to buy this log. And then we, we eventually chipped in to buy some farmers walks. And when we we uh, put on the first Porsche Strongest Man back in two thousand four, two thousand five, we had a we got a, um, a building sponsor that gave us a couple of quid so we could actually get a pair of farmers. And then we bought another log, uh, and then we had some other bits that we uh, fabricated our own and got other friends to fabricate. So. Yeah, and the the first tire we bought, well, we didn't get, we got it given because we, uh, my friend knew um, a tire uh, place up in Heathrow. Um, it spent six months out in his driveway because neither of me or Colin could pick it up; it was too heavy. <laughs> so you know, all, all learning curves. You know, the, we we had a load of stones. We made a load of stones. We made some um, we made some molds. So uh, we bought we we knocked out a load of these stones that we guessed. 
And the lightest one back then we made was 120 kilos. Uh, we're trying, and we can try and lap. We lapped it a couple of times like, with just chalk. Then, um, then he ordered some um, some tacky, some uh, Dave Osland tacky from the state. I don't know about a week to get here, two weeks to get here. We then were like the Saturday we went to train. He's Colin's like, yes, we've got the tacky. We can do the stone. We're like brilliant. So we've literally marinated ourselves in tacky because we don't know. Like we've we've only seen you know a few <laughs> oh, competitions. We've seen, you know now the internet's getting a little bit more live. So we've seen a few people. You know, with Tacky on it, Worlds and a, and a few other places. So we're lifting stones, and stones are going great. And then that's brilliant. But then because you don't know how on earth do you get Tacky off. So we're we're in his house scrubbing for maybe an hour and a half, trying to take all <laughs> this um, Tacky off. We don't know how to take it off. Oh shit! And if anyone has ever like, experienced he, he Tacky, it is impossible to get off of anything. It's like the world's worst stuff to get off your hands. Or basically anything. I mean, we've now got you know um, Cerberus and a few guys companies have got the spray now, which is the the, the tacky remover, which is brilliant. It's like a it just just breaks down the, ta- the the tacky, and it's like it's worth its weight in gold. But back then we had to use like petrol or diesel, paraffin, all these horrible substances which which completely ruin your skin anyway. And if you had if you, if you had a cut from a stone, you got you got you know you had like a serious infection on your arm because you you obviously obviously cut yourself with stone but you're now got like a nice juicy bit of paraffin in your skin so yeah so you live and learn you learn by your mistakes as they say so we did plenty of that and i think it's it's testament though isn't it like and i think that's the difference because anyone that that knows people that have been in especially the strongman game for for as long as you have it's 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 like a di- it's a different breed of people because i think you had to go through that like you couldn't just hop online and buy stuff like you had to spend time in trying to find ways to make this mold for the stone and what do we need to use for that and i think that kind of it it just reaffirms that passion that like you went against everything you went against all of those norms because you were just so obsessed with this random fucking sport which you know w- w- was on tv but once a year yeah, just it was. I don't know. <laughs> Looking back, I, I know how stupid I was, but there was nothing stopping me. I had to do it. You know, it just you know, I see a log. I thought, right, we can replicate that. And then obviously, you see a few of the competitions when um, a few of the European Cup games started coming on to show, you know, what they were doing. And you had um, some other guys coming through the system, and and then you had Pure Strength, which came on in the eighties, which brought in teams and stuff from um, America and Finland and Iceland. So you could see what they were doing, and we were like, you know, replicating what they were doing as well. It was it was crazy stuff. You know, we were going to um, uh, um, like scrapyards and finding bits and pieces to, to so we could use for medleys. And we loaded up some, um, went to the uh, a local pub, bought got some of their barrels, and loaded them up concrete. They're like 120 kilo barrels. We used to put a load of, load of like old scrap in them as well, and I bought uh, a piece of chain off of um it was a scrappy down in plymouth and it was um i think you've seen it out the back it's a big big piece of chain two kilos it was off of, it was off the anchor of a, a cross channel ferry just absurd just <laughs> yeah yeah to be fair like the the, the gym is like it, it's beautiful they've just, just got so many random relics that i feel like they each have their own story as well when you have to go through that and you have to go through those tribulations of like trying to source them and find them and okay well how the fuck do we then get them to the gym how do we load them it's every single one has like their own personality don't they yeah i've got, I've got a lot of old stuff older you know strongmen that are retired now so uh, my viking press and my my special yellow log was um ollie thompson's who um he did worlds and was Britain's strongest man back in uh, when did Ollie win it? 2007, 2006. Ollie Thompson. He now does MMA. I bought, bought a lot of stuff off of him, a lot of plates and stuff. But, um, I used to go and train with him as well. So you know, I've got a lot of bits from him and uh, you know, just just uh, other boys that I've had come in. They've not retired, but they've sold their stuff on, and that's why the gym is just littered with so many bits and pieces. And now I've got that bit extra, I can then you know help others. So couple of months ago um bish adam bishop was training for britons and stuff and needed because he's got his own little place now so he's got one of my logs to train with now metal log uh, uh he's got a couple of sets of farmers and bits and pieces so he, you know we he got some other bits but he just wanted some old some proper stuff to 
the trainer, so he's, he's, he's borrowed a few more, more bits of mine, but you wouldn't know because I've still got four logs at the gym, but I've still got about four pairs of farms still, so I just collect rubbish, really. It's just it's crap. It's like a massive strongman salvage yard, but, you know, I can't, can't get rid of nothing. I don't mind borrowing it, lending, but I can't, I can't sell no, no, it's, it's 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 a part of your heart, isn't it? So I'm interested to to kind of hop off there because you talk about, you know, and we know for a fact that you know strongman has a, a very high turnover of of athletes, even at the pro level. You know, it's such a it's such a grueling sport. It's so unforgiving. So what do you think has kind of kept you in the game for as long as you have been? You know, there's so many of these guys that were kind of that were at the same level as you that. They packed it in and, and really just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. So, what do you think has kind of kept you on board for so long? Passion, um, a little bit of stupidity, maybe, <laughs> and and it's a thrill, you know, being being like um, if you're an athlete and you're the, you're a sprinter, to be the strong, to be the fastest is awesome, isn't it? And no matter what you do, you still want to run that race. That you still want to be the fastest guy. And me, I always want to be the strongest. So I just had, I just kept pushing, and you know, as, uh, I kept getting that little bit better. So I get invited to better, bigger competitions. So you have to improve, you have to keep rolling with it and keep going. And the, you know, and the injuries are just that's the unfortunately that is just the the backbone, so to speak, as corny as it sounds. But that's the only guarantee thing in, in strongman is injury. Yeah, and I think I mean you're you're probably someone to to, to kind of talk about the kind of injury and what have you because I know you've had your fair share, but it's I think it's 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 kind of part of the learning process as well, and I'm sure you could probably agree with it that that you know every injury that you had, as much as it it was a setback, it probably taught you to like maybe train in a different way or like okay I I can't pull from the floor for this amount of time so I've really got to work off of these block pulls and these different variations which then I'm sure probably built you up in a different way right yeah yeah well it's certainly told me taught me that now the best thing is prehab rather than rehab yeah get everything in the front end make sure that your body's working good before you get involved yeah, and that, that was that's key for for everything. And moving forward with, with all my coaching and all the other guys, they they warm up so well. Their their prehab is so good that that they very rarely do injure themselves too badly to then use the the rehab. But a lot of people have done, and then you know they've, they've got themselves a couple of months down the road. But luckily, the technology is now with rehab, and 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 a lot of the the guys with the you know the therapists they're using more technology to to fix it a lot quicker. You know. You know these guys that are taking. Um, I know two, three athletes that told them their body, and they were back training within um, about sixteen weeks. And beforehand, it was like a six-month um, like set-off, wasn't it? So, you know, amazing sort of stuff. Yeah. Durability of the body and the system, and and the, you know, the passion of the sport. You know, they don't want to be out for long. They want to be at World Strongest Man. They want to be, you know, going to you know Europe. They want to be pulling a a, a, a fantastically big deadlift at the next show because they're they're just as passionate and stupid as myself and the other guys that they're, they're, they're competing with you, you've got as you know you've got to have a you've got to have a little bit of a screw loose to keep going and keep pushing and and keep going with strongmen because you're on a knife edge between being unbelievably strong and also on the other side of the knife being completely injured and and rupturing and really doing yourself badly yeah, yeah, I I think that's that's also kind of it's a little bit of the sex appeal with it as well. Like it's that whole kind of like oh, all live, live, living life on the edge here. But but it, I think it bring it brings the best out. And I think especially when you're in that competitive uh, environment with all of those people, I think it's just a recipe for some incredible freak freak yeah. feats of strength, yeah. which is what we which which yeah. is what we're all there for at the end of the day, isn't it? Like that's what we're there to do. Yeah, it's what it's all about, you know, going to comps and having, having these guys around you and, you know, watching like uh, watching Zadrunas do uh, a world record log and watching how he warms up and how he does, and how he sets himself and and then watching him put 226, 225 kilos over his head. Just phenomenal. And then with Eddie, when, um, when I, I used to be with... Uh, Prep Eddie for his world deadlift uh, attempts in in this country and also in Australia and stuff. But with his 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 mindset uh, uh, is probably the best I've ever. Him to Drunas, 
I, I, I strongly believe, and still believe this day, that Zadrunas is probably the strongest strongman ever. Like, as a strongman goes, he has no weakness. He kicked everyone's ass. And I know there's this whole thing about, yeah, but Marius won it five. Yeah, Marius won it five times. He did. I can't take nothing away from him. But Zadrunas wasn't there all the five, was he? So we'll never know. And the weights were lighter. And it was, more, it was a little bit more, you know, a bit lighter, a little bit. So, you know, whereas you got like, um, Zadrunas won it all with everyone there. No matter who you were, Zadrunas beat you. And he was the best. But I think the strongest man alive ever is Eddie. Just an absolute cyborg. I've never known someone that strong. Just phenomenal. And so fit as well. Just unbelievable. But both of their mindset are very, very similar because they are the most channeled, most focused, most, I don't know, crazy, mentally strong people I've ever known. And I think that carries across into strongman, doesn't it? Like strongman, I think is not—it's not just a test of body. I think more times than not, it's a test of mind than it is test of body. Kind of going back to that whole thing that we're saying—that like, if you can override this, it's—it's it's actually kind of freaky what you can do with your body. So I think for for them, and you can see it, like you can see it in Eddie's eyes when he goes for those world record attempts. Like you can just see it. It's like a burning passion in his soul. And again, it's it's unlike anything else that, that, that you ever see. He's so, you know, it's it's not even 100%. It's not even 150%. It's like he's a 1,000% committed to whatever that given thing is. And he will do it whether it kills him or not. If that 500 had killed him, so be it. He wouldn't have bothered. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't, he wouldn't care. He had, he got that far. Watching him do that five hundred, getting set and ready for that five hundred, was probably the best, the best thing in my career. Even though it wasn't me, but the the biggest thing I've ever seen, witnessed physically and mentally, with one with one person, just unbelievable. It was um, just mind blowing. And how how does it compare? Obviously, like, but by that point, you had you know you had competed on that world stage in front of thousands of people. You kind of you knew what it was like. But then going from I think being being the athlete to kind of being that coach support staff role of someone else, it changes it. So I'm interested. Were you kind of more nervous and scared being kind of like there for Eddie with his attempts, or as an athlete yourself competing on those world stages? Um, I think it's a different type of fear. I think it's a different type of uh, adrenaline rush. It's still is similar. But, um, you know, uh, when I used to compete, I used to get um, quite bad nerves the f on, in the morning and then on the first event. So the first event for me was really nerve-wracking. No matter what it was, it was a good or a bad one for me, I get really nervy. The minute the first one's over, I'm fine. All good. And no matter how the, the competition plays out, we're, we're fine. Um, you know, when, when um, I was helping Eddie with the deadlifts, uh, um, I had to think not not just for me. It wasn't just me doing the. I had to think for him as well. So I had to make sure that everything was perfectly right for him, and it was down to me. It was my job. He had asked me to do almost the prep, the prepping and the mentoring for him. So then he didn't have to think about it. Yeah. So uh, from the fine, from the you know the things as like making sure his towel was exactly right under his arms because he, everything rubs, making sure. Uh, his um, his belts were correct and in the right place where where he needed to be. Foods were the same. Food the same. Making sure that um, the platform that he lifted off of was was at, was completely square and symmetrical. Making sure the tape was exact. Making sure the tape on the bar was completely over the tape on the lift platform. Making sure all the plates were exactly the same. Exactly plated, exactly where he needed to. Be. Uh, there was nothing in his line of sight other than the referee. Uh, just everything was just had to be, it had to be perfect because you just. I'd have to think that he left something out, something as minute as it not being where he wanted it to be, for him to not have done it. But I knew the year before he he told me, I knew he'd do it. I just I knew it. And it's only probably me and maybe one of them knew he'd do it. Anyway. But that was even more of a thrill to have those twelve thousand people like they want to see it. Yeah, they didn't see it or they're not too sure if he's going to do it but they want to come and watch because everyone wants to see uh, obviously a win then they want to see like ridicule you know, like, ridicule was like ah you didn't do it I knew he'd do it from that morning I saw him 
he was a he was a, an animal. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Just a hundred percent committed, and and I think you know it's it's just just testament to his his career and everything that he's done past it as well. You know, it just just goes to show that I think it it carries massively outside of the gym. That if you have that focus, if you have that passion, and you have that drive, you're you're pretty much going to achieve anything that you want to, and you're going to be successful in anything that you want to do. But before we get into that, I want to hop back because of course we have obviously. Half Dobjonsson's going for the 501. It's a hot debate topic at the moment. Where do you kind of stand with it? Obviously, there are people that, are, you know, are wanting to, to kind of disregard it. It's not in the same environment. It's not on the same bar. There are people arguing, you know, Eddie's bar was on a slightly different bar to the original record that was set. Where do you stand with all of this? Is it a record? Isn't it a record? Firstly, a, a record, a well record attempt should be done at a stadium at a, a governed competition where there are the correct people there that can verify all the weights, all the measures and be done under a competition standard um, a gym record is a gym record in my eyes if you do it at whatever gym because because you haven't got the you know if you know got to be at, the, at an auditorium or, or say at, Le- at the lead stand or the Albert Hall at 10 o'clock that morning, you're already setting the nerves in. If you're going to go pop, pop down your gym, it's a mindset, isn't it? You still got, you still got the end result. So the mindset's different. You're pulling off your own gear. You're pulling off your own bar that you know. You're pulling off your own place that you kind of know that have a feel now. That they, your spotters and your setters, they know how you want your bar. They know how this, they know how that. So that's a lot easier. When you're up against that, that's that's just your standard. It was, a, it was an oaky bar. Standard oaky bar with Alico plates. Because Alico are the only ones that are calibrated, measured, and set. There's nothing. There was nothing. It was no smoke and mirrors with anything that Eddie pulled. It was on a plywood base, double plywood with rubber matting, normal constructed mat. Eddie record glyphs uh, in the in the stadium it was a. Uh, it was just your, your normal powerlift bar, an Oki power bar, calibrated Alico plates because you know weights on there. You know, a 50 kilo Alico is a 50 kilo Alico. You know, they're weighed and measured. They know, you know, it's not like any of these other cast plates because I've, I've got cast plates of my that some of them are nearly 8, uh, 0.8 of a kilo out. You get that over a few. That's a, that's quite a few weight out. And um, you have your your gym. You can you can relax, kick back. You can have a have a little bit of a sit, pull your warm up, and then have a you know 10, 15 minutes, whatever you do, and then pull again and see how you feel. And then you can go, mm, I won't go that. I'll go for this. See how that feels. You, you can't do that at a stadium. You can't do that at a, at a world-level comp. You've got 10 minutes in between your lifts. And more importantly, who remembers the second person to walk on the moon? Do you know? Yeah, very true. There's only one. Only one. Ed was the first and the only guy to ever pull 500. And it always been known as the only and first person to pull 500. And that's that. Yeah. After... I I take my hat off to you, but you'll always be second, third, fourth, and so on and so on. So even if you pull five hundred and twenty, Eddie was still the first. Yeah, yeah, the original premiere, the, the fucking Oscar of Dennis. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it and it was beautiful as well. You know, <laughs> it it it's still to 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 this day. I think you can kind of challenge anyone to look at that video and go, "Do you really think that was his max?" Because I fucking don't. You look at the speed no, that no. that came off of the floor, man. Like there was there was some serious kilos that were still still left in there. So I think it's even if even if someone pulls five oh one, you kind of go, yeah, man. But the the the, the speed that five hundred came off the floor, you really don't think he's going to pull five zero two five? Yeah, there was probably at least another fifteen twenty kilos in there. Let's be no. honest. The mentality of the fella, he went out and pulled the world record four sixty five. Like it was 200 kilos. It was insane. I've never seen anything move so fast. Yeah, that's that's the mindset of the bloke on that day. Eddie's mind, all he wanted to do was lift 500 kilos a day. It was the way, the staggered lifts that we had to get him ready for each lift. We nominated uh, three three lifts on the day, uh, including his warm-ups at the back. And we had a whiteboard. And every lift he did, we crossed off. We didn't put a number on it. We just did it as a lift, like you would a working set. So the three lifts that we went out to do, 
which was about 420, world record, 500, were just, we clicked them off as if you would at home or in the gym doing your last heavy working set. That's it, because that's all you have to think about. You have to think about numbers. You don't have to think about percentages. Uh, whatever you have to, all the other bits of bits you have to think about when you're doing a heavy set or you're doing a, a one rep max or something, and nothing to think about other than crossing one off and doing the next one. That's it. Keeping things simple. It's, a, it's the only way. It's the key. Yeah, and I think kind of going back with, with the parallels between Thor and Eddie, I think, you know, when you're in a, a an enclosed space and, you know, famously we know that Thor has a lot of yes men, having, you know, tons and tons of people around you screaming and shouting in, in, in a closed, closed off space is obviously a completely different environment to being in the middle of the Leeds arena in complete silence watching, you know, having hundreds of thousands of people watch you. It's a completely different game. So I think, you know, as as, as, as much as it, it, if he does it, it, it will be a, a record. Like you said, it's it's one of those ones where I just wish that there wasn't that contention. And it's like, if you've got it, just save it. Do it in a stadium. Exactly. What what What's the rush? Do you know what I mean? So I think, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit funny. Thor's being a bit childish at the moment. He's not. He's, he's quite embarrassing that his mentality and how he's acting online because that's just that's not professional. He's making him put himself in a bit of a silly light, like you know, a bit of an arrogant pig in a way. And you know, importantly, the average Joe that buys tickets to the Giants and stuff, they don't see the mind games and the the shit and hassles the other athletes, including Eddie, had to put up with with all the Thor's yes men with all their uh, blue shirts on. They're all around him, and they all make sure that they get in the way of everyone else, everyone else off. No one sees that behind the stage. They did it at Europe. They've done it at all the Europe stuff. They've done it at all the other bits and pieces. They've done it at Worlds as well, and they've been told about it. But because Thor's Thor, and he has these people with him, they got him around like like a, a a troop of like really annoying like fucking termites that get in your way, and it can put people off. And luckily. Thankfully, Eddie was miles away, and his mindset was on the game anyway. But it, it could affect someone that was not as mind strong as it. Still annoy him because they do get in the way, and they get in the way of all sorts of bits and pieces. But then when a decision doesn't go his way, what's he thought kicks up? That's fine. And an athlete, if, if you're in contention with something, you go beat the referee. But you don't need ten other people telling everyone else what's going on, do you? That's just that's not professional. And what he's doing at the moment online is very unprofessional. I think it's very. I think it's a very it's a shame for Thor because Thor's a good you know a good guy and I I, I, I like him but and I've got, got a lot of time for him but I'm losing a little bit of respect for him the way his mannerisms and the way he's projecting himself online at the moment because he's building quite negative hype towards Eddie when well, Eddie hasn't done nothing other than pull 500 and as Ed does always pulling people's legs he's just he's just a he's a he's a, a joker a piss taker and he loves a crack that's all he's done there's nothing else. I think Thor is now doing it a little bit over the top now, and I don't think that's professional on his behalf, on anyone's behalf, and also for strong man. I don't think that's right. And I think he should wait. Or if he pulls the 501, brilliant, that's good. But it is a gym record. It's not a world record. It's an unofficial world gym record. It's bullshit. It's, it's smoke and mirrors. It's crap. Let's do it out in front of 12 feet. If he thinks it's strong, why not wait and get a big auditorium full of, of uh, guys that are willing to pay? Like did Eddie and let Len pull five or ten. Brilliant. And I'm sure Ed would be the first person to go over there and shake his hand. I'm sure. But for now, please, Thor, just wind it in. Don't be a dick. Normal. Be Thor. Be the old Thor that I knew all those, you know, because I was, I was at his first World's Strongest Man in 2000, uh, sorry, 2011. He was a good, he was 205 kilo. What was he? Six, six, nine and 22 years old. You know, just a young guy and just completely green. But we looked after him. He's a good boy. Now, you know, he's he's, he's strong. I can't get nothing away from him. He's a strong lad. But he's acting like a bit of a dick. So, Yeah, I think it's, it's that humility with it as well. And I think especially in a world of strongman where the kind of the general consensus is, I mean, you look across at any one of the t top strongman level, they're all incredibly humble guys. Like, they, they don't have that arrogance. They don't need it because they're the strongest people on, on the face of the earth. And I think when this kind of thing happens, you kind of, it's, it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth because you're like, okay, I know how humble the strongman scene is. Why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing it publicly yeah. so the rest of the world can see exactly. it? 
and tame the strongman sport. Yeah. Like we don't need that kind of football prima donna bitching. Like yeah. we're, we're 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 all happy to just kind of get it out there, get it oh. sorted. Let's crack on. You've never seen Sadrunas do it, have you? <laughs> never. Underwhelming guy. He's done. What's he done? Four worlds, eight Arnolds. He has countless, maybe over. What's he up to now? Maybe three hundred plus competitions. I think the guy's got two rooms for his trophies at home. The guy's been there, done it. He's done everything. Is he? Is he would he ever come out arrogant or or or, or 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 sort of demeaning to another athlete? No, that's just not. It's not his style anyway. But he wouldn't do it because he's always let the competition and himself do the talking. If he if someone said to him, "Can you do this?" He's gone and done it. He said, "Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a two twenty log for you." What about 500 jokes? Well, there's a 500 joke for it. 240 stone, there's a 240 stone for it. He's done it. He hasn't got to, you know, got to, you know, piss in his pocket to let him do something. He just does it. And yeah. so have Eddie. Eddie's done it. He's proved he's been there and done it. He ain't got, he ain't got to worry about no one else. He's, he's number one. He's the, he's, the, he's the deadlift holder. 500 kilos. First person ever to do it. Enough said. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I think it's uh, it's interesting because obviously once when you've been in the game for as long as you have, you've seen so many personalities you've seen so many people come and go throughout this sport you kind of you you get a pretty good gist of, of kind of the the good guys in the scene and, and the guys that are that are here to put in the work and do what they need to do to to go out and achieve what they say they're going to do and they're also those guys that are going to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and then two weeks before the competition, they're pulling out because you know they've got a hamstring injury or something. You know that there's always these people. It's just it's just annoying. But like like my old man said, you can't have an argument with an idiot. <laughs> so these people are just going to keep going on because all their you know you've got all the Thor fans having to go at the Eddie fans. It's just I'll just keep out of it. I can't be bothered. It's because there's so much else going on, and um, you know. And we've seemed to have hit a beautiful scene of yet again more quality British athletes. You know, <laughs> I'm obviously I'm going to up him as much as I do my other mates. But Adam Bishop, coming from, uh, um, he was a bit of a, a real skinny 105, now Britain's strongest man, and the the time lap he's done it in is phenomenal. And now he went from about 100 kilos wet when I first met him in 2000. And nine, maybe. He, the guy's now 148 kilos of muscle. He's the, probably the hardest working athlete, strong man I know. That that boy, only when he's at work does he rest. He rests, but he's but he rests properly. And he trains properly, and, and he's like, like he's super clever. And this is the change of when I first started. We were strong, and we focused on the lifts. We focused on the competitions. Fish, he's super clever. He's savvy. He knows. He listens to his body. He knows how to train, the percentages to train, how long to train, when to rest, what properly, what proper things to eat, eat, what's other stuff to prehab. He does all the cryogenic stuff. He, does, he gets a, a, a sport massage every week. He he, he fully MOTs himself. He's like, he, you know, he's like, like he's a he's like a he's, he's a Formula One car, and he's got all these people around him that are looking after that Formula One car because it needs to work absolutely efficiently. For every single race, wherever wherever you go on the planet, and that's what Bish is. He is yeah. like the he's like I've said it before, he's like a Swiss Army knife strong man. Yeah. He has no weakness now. He's like a Formula One car. He's just absolutely pets for everything. He's fit, he's fast, he's, 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 his overhead's good, he's, he's dead is superior. He can squat. And he's functional, he's good. he can do everything. There's nothing that boy can't do. But it's really interesting because I love the, the way that you said that he doesn't have, have a weak point now. And the now part is the part I really want to focus on because I feel like uh, Bish is, uh, I'm not trying to blow smoke up his ass here, but I feel like Bish is one of the, the, the rare strong men where he will look at all of uh, his events. He will break down where yeah. he needs to yeah. do work. And then you can see it on his social 
that guy will literally tear down that event and he will hammer the shit out of it until it is literally like second nature. It's like putting on his socks in the morning. And that's one thing that I absolutely love about him is that he's he's he just seems to be really proactive about what he needs to do to get to that next level. And I think we've we, now we've seen he's gone away and done all that building. I mean, he's the strongest man in Britain, for fuck's sake. Like, What more proof do you get than that? And let's face it, that the lineup he beat was unbelievable. Um, I mean, look at the Stoltmans. Luke, they're robots. And you've got all those others. Terry, Aaron, Ryan, uh, Mark. Uh, just, they were, they were all so, so, so good. All so, so strong. But the thing is, he didn't. He just did exactly what we went. We went through, through a, a game plan like we normally do on comp day. And he did exactly to the was to the minutest thing for every event, and that's what that's what got him it. And it's just it's credit to him, you know. He's, he's overhead pressing now, you know. He's up to one ninety now, but he had trouble when he, when I first saw him. He, he had trouble with like a hundred kilo log because he like you say he's worked down, he's broke it all down. We've been working quite well together over the last sort of eighteen months, two years, getting his um his overhead press. You know, he's, he's been he's, he's so explosive and so dynamic, but he's having to use a lot more of what I do, strict sort of um mongling like that like just pure uh body strength you know yeah and he's he, on, the, on the latter he showed me explosive list like pre-abby bits I, I didn't really understand i didn't know uh explosive pushing off of um with bands and and um how to you know get the viking actually well timed and he's he's uh, we've mirrored our training so i've shown a lot of brute strength old school stuff he showed me some new age stuff like and it's, it's mind blowing mate and if I had hair it would, it would fucking knock you back you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a phenomenal yeah yeah he's wicked and I think I think that's really interesting that you know that there's this this mix and combination of the the, the new school and the old the, 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 the old school um, and I think it, it does come across because you can kind of see it see it now especially like just just with like his static pressing and stuff it's just got so 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 strong and you can really see that obviously you know, with the foundation that you kind of set there with him, that that that's where it's come from because you know you're a, you're a strict pressing fiend. So I think I think it's, it's it's brilliant that he's picked that up and like you're saying, you know, the the fact that he was able to do that in a competition where I think you know I, I spoke to probably four or five people and people can go back to previous podcasts and listen to it and we kind of spoke uh, laws making predictions and kind of saying that this was actually probably the closest Brit Britons that we've ever seen in terms yeah. of who could actually clinch yeah. at any of the, the top three spots. It was so, so, so tight. So the fact that, you know, he's been so consistent with getting either on the podium or as close to that podium as he can with the, across the last few years, that it's just kind of that every year, just kind of just a little bit level up, just a little bit level up. And now he's at that point where... He just just needs to just keep on going with whatever he's doing because I think now if he can take that across and and put it into kind of worlds, you know, I think you, you'll be able to talk about this that if worlds kind of you, you have the right events in the right pool for the right athlete, anyone can come out on top. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see any reason why in the next in the next two years Bish can't podium at worlds. Quite, quite happily. It'll be very close this year. I know, um, obviously, with the COVID, uh, what's going on with the, with the, this virus thing and us being quarantined, he's uh, uh, training and the competition stuff a lot harder than what it is. Bish is still at home training because he's got a lovely facility in his garden. But, you know, it's actually the competition that are, that are being messed up the dates and stuff. So you can't quite peak for the competition. I think that'd be the only reason why he wouldn't, he wouldn't podium this year. But I guarantee you, if the... If, if everything's all honky dory for 2021, that boy's on the podium. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So I'm I'm also interested to to speak to you about kind of the the various different competitions because obviously you know we've got the the record coming up with World Ultimate Strongman with the guys out in Dubai who are obviously you know funneling a crap ton of money into the sport. We've got the arena tours that are that are going to be coming uh, to the US now, which is obviously a huge thing. And I'm interested to, to talk about this because there are so many varying, um, well, they're not governing bodies, but uh, event organizations within the strongman world. 
it's a bit fucking higgledy piggledy. It's a bit all over the spot. Comps are kind of not particularly always in the best order, and organisers don't really seem to take into consideration when anyone else's competition is on. They're just going to put it on. Yeah. So I'm interested to, to to get your opinion. Moving forward in the strongman scene, do you think we kind of we need to see uh, kind of more structure throughout the year for these elite athletes so they can kind of peak easier and pick and choose their comps better? Do you think that we need to have more of kind of like a general governing body or like seeding system across all of these various different competitions? What do you think we need to see more of? I think um, across the board, there needs to be a bit more respect between each um, governing body, um, each uh, association. You know, Giants Live are probably the biggest and the oldest company. They've been, they've been around since, you know, the 80s, so to speak, with, with Darren and Colin in and around the mix of Britain's and World's Strongest Man. They're now, you know, Giants Live, part of a huge, big, strong corporate. These are the guys that, you know, all the Giants Live tours, Britain's Strongest Man, um, you know, Europe's, and of course, they're in massive hoots with, um, with World's Strongest Man. They run World's Strongest Man. you got all, you know, the, you know, the corporation in states, brilliant. You've got, like, Champions League and everything, but, you know, they need to be in touch with what Giants are doing because at the end of the day, the, the Giants guys are the ones that are constructing the competition for World's Strongest Man. So their calendar needs to emulate and get the boys ready for the comp that they're doing. And obviously, importantly, the, 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 the cream of the crop is, is Giants, you know, is World's Strongest Man. You know, we, we can we, we can all do his other, you know, and I've done Champions League, I've done Corporation stuff, I've done um, Arnold's, I've done all sorts. But the pinnacle for me as an athlete and for me now is World's Strongest Man. You know, and it's, it's you know, and all these other guys, companies are good, but I see, it sounds corny, but I see Giants Live as the Heinz ketchup. And everyone else wants to be a ketchup, don't they? But they're only, they're not going to be Heinz. So they need a structure of what's going around with Giants. I, I think if they get it, everyone, there's enough, there's enough, um, there's enough athletes and enough time in the year for them to all have a little bite, bite of the apple. Uh, and I think if they can do it around the athletes, so they so that they're at their best, at their fittest, and at their strongest, at world's strongest man, and the qualifiers, why not have a world record log uh, in December or deadlift in in March? Provided it's all good and they've got enough time, and the athletes are all clear to go. Yeah, I can't, but four weeks time I've got to do my qualifier for worlds, and then world is like, yeah, cool, it's fine. Provided that's all, that's good, that's sweet as a nut there, but. Everyone wants that little bite of the cherry, and everyone wants to be the Heinz ketchup. And there's only one Heinz ketchup, and that's Giants Live. They're the best. They they, they put on the best. They've got the best athletes. And unfortunately, these other companies they come on early, like wuss, and they dangle some big carrots, and I mean some big money carrots in front of these athletes. And these athletes, of course, are going to go for the money because you know, that's what's going to sit them in in good stead for when they finish um, strongman for when they're you know, completely retired in 10 years' time, they're going to have this nice big nest egg that they've saved and scrimped for them to look after themselves and, you know, build a, you know, they've got their name then and, and to go on to, to do, you know, coaching or refereeing or, 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 or something completely off off, off kilter like um, Marius did, but he got he got all his, um, did all his um, bits of his um, uh, housing and, 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 and units and property and stuff. So you, you've got to have that. In fact, you can't not, you know, grill him for, um, for going where the money is, but, you should really, these people should have a bit more respect for the people that have been there and done it for the last 30 odd years and say, look, contracts should be signed by the companies. Like, you know, you're contracted by Giants Live. You can do our shows. Plus, if you're going to do something else, let us know. Like, don't tell us. Say, look, I really want to do this show. It's 50 grand if I do this. Would you? And they'll be fine. But yeah, cool. There's got to be a bit of give and take, but there's got to be respect. And I think that's good. But, you know, you can't have all these other people wanting to, wanting to you know, a bite of your, uh, your apple because there's, there's plenty of it will all go around. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a very interesting <coughs> view that you've got there that everything kind of should still be building up to world, towards the world's strongest man. And, you know, I think we've kind of, we've seen it in, I think, kind of this year and a little bit last year as well that kind of, it seemed to be the, 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 the focus for a lot of athletes wasn't, you know, they, they weren't as 
focused on world's strongest man because there was you know more prize money at the arnold's or there was more money to be made on this rogue world record breakers or whatever and i think it's it's very difficult because when you have all of these different things that are drawing people's attention whether it's you know money or the fame from world records or this social media or this or that that it it, it does detract away from the the overall thing which is kind of like you're saying there like it all started with this and this is what it should still be around now i'm interested to to also then move on to that do you think that uh world's strongest man needs to kind of adapt its format a little bit more to modern times and i've spoken to a, a few different guests that have kind of said that you know it's still kind of the same format that it's been running since the 80s they kind of maybe they need to start looking at some of these other events and organizations and how they're running these comps and going okay well maybe actually you know we want to draw this a little bit more or maybe we shouldn't just be running it once a fucking year at christmas time for a week and we should be doing these live stream events or whatever like what are your views there i think i think they're they're starting to move with the times with the uh um with the live screening stuff uh, with the qualifiers i think world strongest man should be still a one a year thing because it's the magic of world strongest man and today it's the you know you only have you only have the oscars once a year don't you yeah so i think it should be I also think that they should change with the time, so they should have different events. But one thing that they are kind of have got their hands or one hand tied on their back is all the uh, yes men and lots of red tape that surrounds the politics of uh, World's Strongest Man and the, the behind the scenes to make it and who owns ownership, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I won't get into it too much. It's a lot of politics and. You know uh, things I don't so really want to say TV too companies much. Companies and but, stuff like different people have their inputs, yeah. and it gets a bit confusing, is what you're saying. So that that's what's stopping them because a lot, you know, there's a few people there that we want this because it's old school. It's how we like, and there's a few people like ah, we need to like do, and then, so you can imagine, you know, it's like you know going into um, a, a, a debate, and you want you want the, your garage on the left there. And so, so, but the architect says, "Well, it's better if you had, had the garage on the westerly side because it looks." You know what I mean? So you've got three or four factors, and none really at this time in the, uh, this time in life and this time or now they can't really agree. And in future they will agree because things are moving very quickly. And World's Strongest Man will be, uh, you know, a force to be reckoned with in the next couple of years because they're going to change with the times. But for now, they, unfortunately, they're just they're just treading with a few bits, and they, they're going to get it. They'll get they'll. Sussed that they 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 will because they have to because they're the number one and you know the, the athletes want it, uh, the people that surround him well, strongest man want it, and I know full well us as spectators now we want it as well. We want to see, you know, all these other events and these other bits and pieces. But at the end of the day, we still want to see who's crowned the strongest. That's it. That's all I care about. I don't care if they do it pulling planes, trains, cars, or uh, the Statue of Liberty on roller skates. I want to <laughs> see who wins the strongest man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I th I think, you know, it's it's very funny because of course when you're, you know, you're showing it once a year, we have all of these impatient people. So anyone that's kind of that knows anything about strongman knows that pretty much whenever strong uh, world strongest man is running, if you hop on Instagram, you pretty much get to see every single event, every single seeding. You you're up to date with everything the whole time anyway. So I think as 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 uh, that kind of magical thing for people at the end of the year. I think that's a really interesting thought process. And I think, yeah, I kind of, I'd have to go back and kind of change what I thought originally. And actually that does seem, it seems nice because it's something that you're building up towards. But for all of those other people, you know, if you want to be there and you want to be up to date and you want the latest info and news, then you can kind of still seek that out if you want to. So I, I, I like that. That's definitely changed my opinion on that. It's just tricky because I've seen both sides, you see. So I've seen it from uh, obviously from being a spectator to watch it on the telly, then watching it going and flying. I've, I've flown to the States a couple of times when I was younger to actually watch it in real life, watch the athletes do it. And then two years later, I'm actually an athlete on World's Strongest Man. So I've seen it from the television sidelines to an athlete. So I've seen this lovely dimension, this carryover to television. Wow. Watching it in Anaheim in LA, wow. To them, I'm actually it, it like fuck. I'm actually doing World's Strongest Man. I'm actually 
picking up uh, 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 back in uh, 2010 when I first did it, the McGlashan stones were still there. These McGlashan stones were used when like Kaz and, and, and Jeff Capes and John Paul and Gary Taylor were still doing stones and they're, and they're there. And you're like, this is madness. And you've got the Anvil Farmers that I, I used to watch on, on Britain's Strongest Man that you know, I saw Bill Pitter pick up and Aide Rollison and you know all the uh, uh, you know all the greats from the 80s, and then you know you're sharing a tent, and you know you, I'm now I've watched I've you know met him a couple of times, but now I'm next to, with like Zadrunas and like my mate Terry is across the across the tent with Laws and Derek Poundstone's chatting to me about Oreo, you know um, <laughs> it's just and you know God bless his soul like uh, Mike Jenkins is taking the the piss out of someone else because they've they've nicked his bag or they've nicked something else or and you know and Zadrunas is just sat there just taking it all in just just because it's just like it's just fucked up it's just you know from like I say from the television to watching it to actually being in there is it's just it's mind-numbing you know and even now like I do certain things or certain people ring me up and I'm like this is just bizarre I'm you know I'm, I'm you know Ed's ringing me at Christmas and asking how things are and I'm thinking this is this is weird and then Magnus you know, uh, uh, um, at the comp, the other day we're having a discussion over coffee about um, about what his plans are for the future Iceland's strongest man. And I think, mean, like, and I say to him something, I said, this is so weird because I, I was watching you 20 years ago, like on the telly, and, and then obviously having discussions and buying, you know, like two, three years ago, I was at, up at a, a village up in Peterborough, and um, I'm there fishing chips with tapes. And it's like, this is just weird. But it's just, it's my life. My life. It's just, you know, all these people I've looked up and and seen on the TV and, and sort of watched and seen what they're doing. They're now my friends, you know, Kaz and Maggie and Jeff and stuff, and, like, and Eddie and Bish, and like, they're, they're friends. It's just, it's it's very bizarre. Some man is very, very bizarre, but it's it's weird. And then you get, I get people, I get asked, like, um, when you first started out, did you ever think you were going to go, you know, be, you know, go to World's Strongest Man. I said, no, I didn't. I honestly didn't think I was going to go to World's Strongest Man, but you can never cap your 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 gains, never cap future, never, never cap what you're doing. Keep striving, because when I first started in, like, 2002, and like I say, making our own farmer's walk, so I didn't think in 2010 I'm going to World's Strongest Man. You know, I did Britain's in 2005, and that was a huge wake-up. But it was also a really good wake up to like that shit. I really, I really want to do this. I, I, I can do this and I can do it well. And then you know, traveling, um, probably. Oh, I don't know. Uh, wow. Hundred, maybe hundred and twenty, maybe hundred hundred and thirty competitions. Jesus Christ. So yeah, not bad. That's and about, amazing. I think I, I was trying to count the other day for um, a guy that uh, spoke to me on um, Instagram, and I think I'm up to about uh, 26 fractured and broken bones. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's not bad. Man. You need to stop using your body to stop things in motion. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a qualifier with a... With, um, five um, metatarsals in my foot, five fractured metatarsals in my foot. It's just, it's just, a, di- it's just, just what a different breed. It's what you used to do. Yeah, I was going to say, well, you say that, but it's like, I mean, if, if, even today, you know, guys like Eddie will work through injuries, obviously, Thortor is plantar fascia at Worlds. Uh, like, it's just all these guys, no matter what, like, it, you're all in that respect, like that mindset's kind of cut from the same cloth that it's like, it doesn't matter what's happening. Like I'm going to see this through to the end. Like unless it's literally a point of that I cannot do it because you know this is ripped off of the bone and now I can't actually lift it. I'm going to give it my best goddamn shot. And that's what I love about strongman. And I think that kind of probably speaks to my slightly twisted and psychotic mentality. Like, like, but that's it. Well, Mark, Mark um, he talked Achilles day one of the of. Um... The, the, the finals of Champions League about four years ago, and um, he had to finish day two to actually be be crowned Champions League champion. So they bound his hamstring up, and he still did 150 kilo farmer's walk to 40 meters 
he's still loaded a couple of stones. He'll do something else to win. And he had a completely, complete rupture of, the, of uh, his left, I think his left Achilles tendon. Jesus Christ. So it was Misha in heat in 2010 in World's Strongest Man, and he bandaged it up and made finals. Yeah, well, uh, Shibig off did it. Was it was it not at the Arnold's this year? Like completely busted up, like ankle, foot, or whatever, and he's he's still out there just doing everything and just yeah. giving it his all. Like I just I love 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 that about strongman. Yeah. So I, I, I'm interested to, to to wrap this up with you. I ask everyone the same question. Um, I want you for a second to imagine that you're taking a step back in time. You're stepping into a time machine. You're gonna go and visit your younger self. You're kind of you're like 10, 11, 12 years of age. So you know you're, you're on the farm and you're kind of going about doing whatever you're doing. You get to spend a few moments with your younger self, impart kind of a bit of wisdom, knowledge, and mantra to live by. Something to help your younger self get you from where you are then at that point to everything that you've had to go through in your life, all of the trials and tribulations, getting up to that world's strongest man point, all of your coaching, your successes, what advice, help do you give to your younger self? Four. Of course, it's a tricky one. Um, I would say... Just push every day. Just, just keep being you. Just, yeah. Just keep fo- focus on the future, not on the past. Keep pushing and just believe in your, yeah, believe in yourself. Just keep going. Yeah, I love that. It's one of the things. You believe in yourself, then you have no cap to your future. Do it. You just keep it because it's you in the day. Just keep going. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I couldn't think of a better way to round it off. Rob, thank you so much for coming on board, man. We're 100% going to do this again. There's like a 100 other things that we could talk to. And who knows, potentially, we might even take the camera, come down Strength Tech, film a session, and do a live podcast. Who knows? We'll, 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 we'll see. We'll see. Good to have a catch-up as well, bud. Yeah, man, 100%. It'd be, be very, very good. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the next one.